This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Oli Tikkanen. And, and if I go to this individual systematic review, I think not all listeners of the podcast are familiar with. So so basically you ask from other researchers to get actually the the raw data or the variables and then you pull together different studies. So could you explain a little bit more how you do it? Yeah, so like I said, in a conventional systematic review, uh, you yeah, you review the, the literature and you rely on what is published in the literature to uh, to do your meta-analysis. Uh, so you take effect estimates from the literature, published in the literature, and you pull them all together in a, statistically pull them all together in a, in a meta-analysis. Uh, what we did here is asking the really individual data and uh, of, of all the cohorts uh, and then combining the individual data. And that has the advantage that you, uh, yeah, you can do uh, analyses that, that weren't done by the original authors. Uh, so for example, male, female, uh, stratification, that's something that we don't see, yeah, always in the literature. And then having the individual data, you're able to actually, uh, to actually do that. Uh, you can also look at, for example, uh, interaction uh, effects, or you can, uh, yeah, adjust for certain uh, confounders, or even do mediation analyses uh, beyond what was done in by the original researchers. So that's uh, that's a big advantage, I think. Also, you can uh, harmonize uh, harmonize analysis methods. Uh, so. For example, in, in how uh, physical activity is defined, we in our analysis use four categories of physical activity, sedentary, low, moderate, and high. And uh, yeah, having the original data really helped us to, yeah, to harmonize that, uh, that definition and to use that definition across all the, uh, across all the cohorts and all the, all the data that we had. Uh, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of, advantages um, but there's also disadvantages uh, because when you do a harmonization uh, you sort of rely on the on the weakest link I always say so on the on the lowest level of detail so for example if uh, if you're harmonizing a variable uh, uh, BMI uh, of course it would be very yeah, uh, if, if you, if you harmonize, uh, BMI across uh, a lot of different studies, it would be very good if you would be able to, uh, uh, use BMI as a continuous variable and then harmonize it. Uh, but yeah, what we, what we noticed when we did our harmonization is that there's, yeah, when doing that, there's a couple of studies who haven't used the continuous variable, but have, uh, categorized the variable. Uh, in different categories and then yeah 
the, the, the authors have already reduced that level of detail. And then we, as, uh, as researchers who do the, the meta analysis rely on that level of detail. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so the harmonization procedure, uh, leads to, uh, yeah, leads to losing detail. And, and, and that's, uh, yeah, that's, I think, a bit downside of, uh, of the, uh, of the individual participant uh, meta-analysis. And I, I guess it's quite a bit of work to start going through different studies, <laughs> data again. Yeah, yeah, you can say that, yeah. It's it's a lot of work. Uh, and and uh, yeah, in this particular case, we, we really underestimated uh, the amount of work uh, it, it, uh, it took. I think we started the project in, in 2018 uh as a uh as a one year project we got funding for from uh from our our dutch uh, healthcare council um to uh to to do the project in one year uh and uh, and and really well getting the data from 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 the from the different cohorts or oh, that already took us uh, about one year so going through the motions of uh yeah making agreements with people uh yeah uh, sometimes having application procedures to get the data that already took one year and then we had to start the harmonization then we had to do the analysis and uh, yeah we're now uh, like five four years down the track the three and uh and and we're now close to submitting our first paper so uh, yeah it really took a long time uh i think it's really fun Fun to collaborate with so many people and uh, and and do the and do the job and like I said, it has a lot of uh, advantages to to do uh, to do an analysis like that. You can really do new novel things that that haven't been done in the literature uh, so far. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of work and uh, and there's some downsides as well. No, that's that's I think important point for our listeners that if you if you're going for individual systematic review, it will be probably more work than you you imagine. And for you, it has been like four times has taken more four times more than what you you thought. Am I right? <laughs> well, I I don't not not as much um, uh, actual work time, so to say. So in in the in the beginning, like I said, it took us one year to. To go through the motions of of applying for the data and making agreements and then getting the data, uh, but there's a lot of waiting time involved in that. So so uh, yeah, I, I I think yeah uh, in, uh, in in full time work it may not even be too bad, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of back and forth through with with uh, with all the partners involved, and and that in particular takes a lot of time. Uh, not so much work time, but more, um, uh, but also waiting time and yeah, waiting for people to get back to you. We have now 22 that data from 22 studies that we, uh, harmonized. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can imagine that's, uh, that that's going back and forth with, with, yeah, 22 different partners and, uh, and more, more than one person typically per cohort. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of, uh, yeah, people management involved as well. Yeah, but I'm happy that uh, that we have now a PhD student uh, on board who is who is helping me with uh, with the hard work because when I started the project, I was still uh, a postdoc and I uh, I had quite some time on my hands to uh, to do all the uh, 
things myself, but uh, yeah, I grew a bit over the year. I'm now an assistant professor, having uh, PhD students of my own to supervise and having all sorts of other tasks as well. So I, uh, yeah, difficult for me to do it all. And uh, I'm happy that we have PhD students now who's, uh, who's helping me out. And uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and what would be your advice for people doing individual studies uh, that that in later it would be easier to do this kind of individual systematic reviews? You said that if they kind of reduce the data already, that's that decreases the quality of this kind of uh, review. What would be the other points that you would like to like to say? Yeah, so indeed, that that's that's I think the 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 most important point. Uh, reducing the amount of uh, reducing your level of detail in the data is actually never a good idea, uh, because it's yeah. For example, the the BMI example, uh, if you uh, if you use the uh, the continuous variable that that has a lot more detail, and uh, and and yeah narrowing that level of detail down to uh, to to categories or even dichotomizing it uh yeah really uh yeah has has statistical implications as well because it 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 reduces your statistical power but it uh, but it also has uh yeah uh, makes it more difficult for people who do uh, an individual participant meta-analysis to uh, uh, because they then rely on that level of detail uh, but uh, people have reasons for doing that of course so uh, 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 we we noticed for example one study uh, they had issues with uh, uh, with sending individual participant data abroad and they only could send uh, data abroad once they were uh, not uh, identifiable and in order to make data non-identifiable, they had to categorize it. Um, and uh, yeah, so sometimes it's it's not yeah that people uh, uh, really want to do this, uh, but yeah, of course they have good reasons to do so. Uh, sometimes uh, because of the the legislation in place. Uh, yeah, and and I I think another thing in in general. Uh, is that uh, we should uh, maybe think of ways in which we can uh, come up with more harmonized uh, ways to to already collect data. Uh, if we, yeah, I think physical activity is is uh, is the most uh, most prominent variable where we saw a lot of heterogeneity. Uh, a lot of different ways in which, in particular, occupational physical activity uh, was measured, defined, uh, categorized, uh, you name it. And, uh, and, and yeah, of course, uh, it's, yeah, uh, we, we, we can, um, yeah, we as, as systematic or as, as meta-analysis uh, researchers can, can can try to harmonize that data and can try to come up with uh, with with common ground and and common ways to uh, yeah to 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 harmonize the data. But it would of course be much better if at the very start of a project, 
already people start collecting data in a, in a way that it can be harmonized uh, in a later stage. Um, yeah, so I think having good definitions for how we should capture uh, variables and I think, yeah, uh, mainly occupational physical activity is, uh, is very important to, uh, to, to, to capture that in a good way. Um, because we see that, uh, that we have a lot of different definitions there. I think that's, uh, that's the most important uh, thing. This podcast is sponsored by Fibian. Fibian is an accurate sitting and physical activity tracking device and analysis platform. It is a great tool for projects that aim for behavior change in sedentary behavior and incidental physical activity. Fibian provides easy-to-understand PDF and web browser reports for participants. Other features include comparisons to recommendations, linking results to health risks, achievement cards, and interactive goal-setting tool. In addition, Fibian provides an API that allows for easy integration to other systems and applications. Learn more about Fibian at fibian.com research. Fibian from researchers to researchers. And, and usually when we talk about uh, assessing physical activity device-based, it's usually either thigh-worn or wrist-worn axiometry that we get kind of estimate of leg movement. But in occupational work, uh, occupational physical activity, it's quite a bit also about upper body movement. So do you have any any good simple ways to measure upper body work no simple way i'm afraid <laughs> um but uh yeah i i think the 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 device-based measurements so the uh typically the the use of uh, accelerometry uh i think public health researchers physical activity researchers are are used to uh, to wear the devices, to have the participants wear the devices on the, on their belt, on their hip, or maybe on the thigh, or maybe on the wrist. Um, and then by, uh, then by, and then using the data to, uh, to, to come up with, uh, physical activity defined in, uh, in sedentary, light, moderate, uh, high intensity. Uh, but, the accelerometers actually have a lot of, yeah, a lot more, um, uh, different, uh, ways that they can be applied. In the beginning of, uh, uh in the start of uh, our conversation, we already had, we already talked about, uh, how I, uh, used biomechanical mm-hmm. principles and how I built up models of the human body, uh, with, yeah, different types of data. Uh, also data from accelerometers can be, uh, inputs in these kind of models. So if you put an accelerometer, uh, on the, on your trunk or on your upper arm, uh, or well, actually everywhere you like on every, uh, uh, body part that you like, you can use that input, uh, from those accelerometers, uh, in, in, in a biomechanical model and, uh, and uh, and and yeah, and and once you have that model, you can uh, basically uh, uh, calculate uh, 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 loads in in every parts of the body. And of course, when we are collecting 
data in the field and long durations and have a lot of participants we cannot collect everything but if for example we would we could have three accelerometers on one person what would be the best locations that you think would biomechanically and and also from the kind of loading point of view we know that for example low back pain is common and and shoulder problems are common so what what would be the best placements in in your your opinion yeah yeah so i i suppose it depends a bit on uh, on what you're interested in Here, earlier on you gave uh, the suggestion to uh to f- for low back load to place a uh an a, a motion capturing device can be an accelerometer on the on the trunk to measure the inclination of the trunk or the uh, upper body i think that's a very good idea if you're interested in uh, in low back load but if you're interested in shoulder load then it may of course makes more sense sense to to place it on uh, on the uh on the upper arm, uh, or if you're interested in elbow load, it makes more sense to to maybe place it on the forearm. So I suppose it depends a lot on on what you're interested in, and whether you're interested in in the load uh, on the on a certain joint, or whether you're interested in in postures, or whether you're interested in uh, intensities. Uh, I, and I think this really sums up the the complexity of of uh, of the of the field of occupational physical activity i think uh, yeah uh, leisure time physical activity uh, in public health is is yeah like i said uh, before is typically assessed by uh, by assessing uh, 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 level of intensity of uh, of physical activity uh, so sedentary light moderate and high but for occupational physical activity, we have so many different uh, modalities. Uh, so we have the loads on the joints, we have uh, the intensity, we have uh, we have the the postures, we have uh, frequency, uh, duration, um, and and yeah, that that yeah. We I don't think we as researchers have uh, have been able to come up with a really good. A definition to to capture that and that's actually something uh, I, I would like to do in the future uh, well, like to be part of at least uh, like coming up with a really good definition for how we should capture occupational physical activity uh, because I don't think we we have that yet good definitions to to measure it but also to uh, uh, yeah to define it so to say and and if I have understood right the occupational physical activity it's easy to understand it's related to musculoskeletal problems but it's also related to metabolic health problems like cardiovascular disease and i think one one of the reasons is probably like if you do overhead work your blood pressure stays high during the day have you have you looked any of these kind of upper body work and in relation to cardiovascular disease in your reviews not so much in my reviews, but but when looking at the literature, uh, I think what we see is that a lot of uh, a lot of the tasks that we consider physically uh, uh, physically demanding at work, so uh, lifting, uh, postures for prolonged uh, uh, period of time, um, yeah, and also uh, 
working uh, overhead. Uh, I think these are things that we see in the literature to be associated with uh, increased risk, uh, uh, increased heart rate, sorry, uh, increased blood pressure. And yeah, we started with my story about uh, cumulative loads. Once, once those things, uh, uh, heart rate and blood pressure accumulated over the day, uh, stay, uh, stay relatively high, then, uh, then that can become a, a risk factor for cardiovascular health indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is really interesting. I, I, I have a bullet points of our discussion and we are in the first one. <laughs> first <laughs> one now it's been, it's been really, really interesting. So you have also worked on the active worker consortium. Could you, could you tell more about that? Well, that's actually the, uh, the individual participant data uh, meta-analysis I was talking about. Okay, okay. That's the, yeah, that's how we called it. Yeah, yeah. Name. Yeah. Yeah, and and how are your your future plans on on studies? What kind of things you are you are planning by yourself and with your with your with your PhD students? In in this uh, domain, you you mean so in, yeah, the, in yeah. the field of occupational physical activity? Yeah. Yeah, I think we we see uh, 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 quite some uh, issues in uh, with uh, with the literature as it is right now. Uh, and once I did my um, uh, my first systematic review, once we published the first systematic review in uh, in twenty eighteen, there was a nice uh, editorial by uh, by Roy Shepard, um, who uh, who actually. Yeah, identified uh, a number of issues uh, of of yeah around our review, but also around the the, the occupational physical activity uh, uh, literature in general, uh, and and I think addressing those those issue issues those limitations uh, that that would be really important to uh, to really progress the field. Uh, yeah, I think one very important one. Or maybe the most important one is uh, is uh, uh, confounding. Um, so uh, that that's yeah, sort of sort of criticism that we always get when publishing uh, research in this field. Uh, that the effects of uh, occupational physical activity on health are confounded by a range of different variables. Uh, most prominently, uh, uh, probably the uh, socioeconomic uh, 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 variables like income and, and education. Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of studies in the literature try to address that uh, by trying to adjust for that, for it. Uh, but yeah, of course, the question always is, have they done uh, a good enough job doing so? And I think that discussion will keep on having uh, once we keep on using observational data to only uh, to only look at this topic uh, so observational data in my opinion will always have the issue that yeah when we, we aren't sure whether uh, confounding residual, residual confounding is sufficiently uh, addressed so I think yeah in order to move forward, we really need to come up with uh, with with better uh, analysis techniques to uh, to address this. 
so uh, yeah, we can, for example, think of uh, of mediation analysis uh, to do that. But even better, I think, would be to come up with uh, new study designs. We uh, we we hardly see any uh, experimental study designs in the occupational uh, physical activity uh, field, and I think yeah, having those kind of study designs would really help us to uh, to progress uh, the field. Um, yeah, that's the most important thing. Uh, I would probably uh, I would probably like to work on in the future. Uh, and then the other thing I already mentioned it is uh, finding good and yeah good ways to 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 measure and also define uh, occupational physical activity uh, and yeah being able to uh, get people uh, on the same page on on how they should do that and uh, and and yeah actually uh, actually having people uh, really applying those kind of uh, uh, assessment methods and uh, and definition methods. I think that's also a very important point uh, for uh, for the literature to uh, to uh, to progress. And there's more smaller bits. Yeah, and and you mentioned experimental studies and basically probably measuring like acute variables. You come from the biomechanist side. Do you think it would be biomechanics, or would you look some biomarkers in the blood, or how how would you do the experimental ones? Yeah, yeah. Well, that depends again on what you're interested in. If you're coming from a musculoskeletal, uh, musculoskeletal health point of view, then uh, yeah, then it would make sense to to look at uh, uh, the biomechanical loads on the body, and uh, and and yeah, look at uh, musculoskeletal discomfort or musculoskeletal pain. Musculoskeletal discomfort is 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 like a precursor of of musculoskeletal pain. So that's often used in uh, in in uh, yeah in in laboratory studies, um, but but if you're interested in in mechanisms for for cardiovascular health, it it would make sense to to look at uh, uh, more cardiometabolic uh, outcomes, heart rate, blood pressure, uh, these kinds of things. So yeah, it really depends on what you're interested in, I suppose. And 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 final question in this. You said about metabolic health effects and musculoskeletal. Which one do you see in general as a bigger problem? Is it the musculoskeletal uh, bigger problem in in occupational physical activity? That's uh, well. I think what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, that musculoskeletal health is a is is a big issue in our society. Uh, there's the uh, the global of global burden of disease studies. Uh, that that uh, that uh, uh, yeah assess uh, for each disease that we have uh, what uh, what the global burden is and uh, and musculoskeletal health uh, typically scores really high on those lists uh, so low back pain neck pain shoulder pain uh, lower extremity pain uh, are all yeah, very high in that list, probably in the in the top uh, in the top ten. Um, yeah, so I think musculoskeletal health is uh, is is a very important topic to study. Um, but I think we already have quite a lot of literature on on musculoskeletal health because that's typically the field where where occupational health researchers uh, have done a lot of research in. Uh, so. Yeah, 
cardio, cardiovascular health, on the other hand, is, uh, is uh, an outcome that, that hasn't been studied much uh, in occupational health. So, yeah, yeah, I think your, to, to answer your question, I think musculoskeletal health is very important. It's, it's, it's a big issue for our society. And for that reason, it's important to study. Uh, but cardiovascular, cardiometabolic health is, is, is a bit understudied yet in, in the occupational health field. So also very important. Yeah. And, and of course, also a big problem in our society. Yeah, no, no, really, really interesting, interesting points. So we have discussed now 50 minutes, maybe it's start time to start wrapping up. Would you have any, anything to add into this or any final remarks? I don't think so. I, uh, I think we've, uh, we've, we talked a lot and, uh, yeah, been able to, uh, to talk about my research on this field. So no, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds great. This was, this was really interesting. So thanks Peter for taking time for this recording. No problem. Thanks for joining us this week on physical activity research through podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be great help for us we have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes so be sure to tune in thank you all for your support and have a great day